For those who have no idea who I am, my name is Micah, and uh, my wife and I, we, this is our home church, and my wife, when we're in town, leads worship here, but otherwise, uh, my wife and I, we're on the road full-time, traveling and preaching in all these different churches and conventions across the country, and so it's fun to be back home in Minnesota, and uh, I'll just say this, if it was in California today and it was one degree outside, the church would be empty, but Minnesota is a different kind of people, a hearty people. It's amazing, but uh, no, I thought how we get started today is uh, I would love for you to stand with me as we read our text for this morning. We're just going to jump right into it. It's uh, Matthew chapter 1, and we brought the verses on the screen today if you didn't have your Bible. But, uh, and, and I ask you to stand just merely to honor God's Word. And it's nothing special or religious that we do, but just something we do to honor God's Word. But Matthew 1 verse 18, it starts off like this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Hey. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Huh? What? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Oh, oh. That's not good. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God, I thank you so much that you are a God who's from the very beginning wanting to just be with your creation, to be with us. And God, I pray for every person that's here that they would have a moment just like Joseph did in the middle of their mess to understand there's a hope in the mess. And that, God, you have a plan and a purpose for every single person that showed up today, whether it's their first time being in church in a really long time or they just showed up because they were forced to be here. God, I pray you would speak in a unique way into every person's heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. I'm 33 years old, and I feel like I've lived a little long enough now to realize that Life is messy, isn't it? Like, we want it to be perfect or we want it to be a certain way. But in all reality, life, when you think about life, it's really messy. And I think the reason why it's messy is because of people. And people are messy. And for those who don't know, I'm a, uh, married to my wife, like you, I said earlier. But I also have two kids. And I brought a picture of my son, who's one. And this is a picture of Malachi. And when you look at the picture... You know, it's a cute picture, and nothing's wrong in the picture, and this is called Instagram, okay? But it isn't called reality, all right? And for any parents in the room, we love to post pictures of our kids that look cute or those kinds of things, but how many of you know it's not all reality? And so you can leave that picture up for just a second. I was downstairs watching football, 
And uh, in the bathroom, I hear my I hear my wife in the bathroom downstairs, and I hear the sink running. And, you know, there's nothing weird with that because she probably went to the bathroom, turned on the sink. And, but then I realized the faucet just kept going, and I'm like, Steph, what, what are you doing that's taking so long to wash something in the sink? I mean, your hands are. So I start yelling from the basement in the room downstairs. I go, Steph, Steph, turn off the water. What are you doing? What do you need to wash that long? And I'm like just screaming like it doesn't make sense. Why do you have to have the water running for so long? And it, it goes long enough to where I get up and I walk into the bathroom and my son, who's cute as a button, is sitting in the sink with the water faucet on, making a mess all over the place. And I brought a video of my son. Everybody take a look at this video of Malachi. Oh, I hear the water running in our bathroom and I come in and turn around the corner and my son's in the sink overflowing the water water on the floor everywhere water everywhere he must have climbed up the toilet gotten into the sink we got to get him out go back to the first picture no no yeah not so cute anymore huh <clears throat> but the reality is his life is messy it's messy, right? I mean, any of us who've had kids, you know life is messy. No joke, just this morning, Steph leaves to go lead worship. I'm a single dad at home, which I don't know how single parents do it. But I had to take a shower to get ready, which meant no parent around to watch the kids, right? How do you do it? I don't know. I get out of the shower, and there's makeup all over the living room floor. My son got into my wife's makeup kit, foundation everywhere, um, like makeup everywhere, Life is messy. You can put up the last picture of my son. I love this face because it's the face that's like, Dad, get out of here. <laughs> Dad just ruined my fun. No, but life is messy. It really is messy. In fact, on a more serious note, uh, some of you know the mess that I've come from and the mess that I've endured and things I've lived through. But if you live long enough, you begin to realize that life is messy and can be messy for families, can be messy for individuals. You can have things happen to you in your life that you didn't necessarily cause. And maybe cancer shows up out of nowhere and now all of a sudden it gets really messy. Or maybe you found out your spouse ends up cheating on you and now it all of a sudden gets really messy. Or now you see abuse start to come in the home and now it gets really messy. Life is messy. And growing up for me as a young boy, I was the oldest in my family. I had three younger sisters. Life wasn't perfect. At first, I thought it was. My dad was a youth pastor, a volunteer firefighter. My dad was involved in the community. And before I could get to youth group, the church fell apart. And my dad ended up cheating on my mom with different women, multiple women. And I saw things that were really messy as a young boy I never should have seen. Now being the oldest of my family, I felt like I was caught in the middle between mom and dad, visiting dad's house every other weekend, mom's house during the two weeks. Divorce is messy. Affairs are messy. Things in life can be messy. And I remember being 19 years old, and by the way, after the divorce, a year after that, my younger sister was eight. She was diagnosed with stage four cancer. She was given a 20% chance to live. Dad leaves my family. Now my younger sister's about to die. Life, it's messy. 
It's not fun at times. And there's things that happen to us that cause us to wonder, what's the point? Why keep going? What is there to hold on to? And I remember being 19 years old after my sister battles cancer and goes through all the surgeries and being at the hospital and trying to be strong for my mom, trying to be strong for my sisters. And I remember being 19 and being invited to a family Christmas party where about three families got together. Now, here's the deal. I don't know if any family out there is like mine, but my family is huge and crazy. My dad had 11 brothers and sisters growing up. My mom had eight brothers and sisters growing up. It was always a full house for holidays. And during a Christmas party, there was two other families that joined my dad's family. And I remember being 19 years old. My sisters rode with my dad. My mom dropped me off at the party. And my dad was clearly upset that I didn't follow him and didn't ride with him. And in the middle of 120 people dressed up, looking really nice. It was a casual, really business casual, really nice event. My dad comes find me in the middle of the room. And my dad starts reaming into me, starts ripping and starts yelling at me, starts swearing at me, saying, who do you think you are? Why won't you ride with me? Why do you got to ride with your mom? So much so, his voice was so loud that everybody in the party room stopped and were staring at me and my dad who was yelling at me in the middle of this Christmas event. In one of my worst moments, I didn't know what to do, in my suit, Black suit, I immediately run out the doors. My dad starts chasing me out the doors. My uncle sees me leave the building. My uncle says, Micah, get behind me. And my uncle gets up in my dad's face. And now they're fighting back and forth. And here I am in St. Paul off of Randolph Street in downtown, dressed in a suit, snowing outside. And the first thing I think to do is to immediately start running as far away as I can. And here I am in a full-blown suit. The drip level was really high. It looked really nice. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what drip means, it doesn't mean water got up on me. It just means I was looking really good, okay? Like, I looked really good. So the drip was nice. It looked really nice. But can you imagine me in a full suit, 19 years old, running down Randolph Street on a decline slope, and the first thing I could find that was public and open was a Burger King. And I go up into Burger King, half from my knees down is soaked with slush and snow and rain. And I am weeping in Burger King. I sit in a booth. I call my best friend. I say, bro, you got to pick me up. My dad just got in my face. I don't want to go back there. My buddy said, I'm coming to get you. This is crazy. I'm sitting in the booth in my worst moment, wanting to give up, wanting to quit. Why this whole God thing? Why is God even really there? What should I even really do? Out of all people. A homeless man, I see him with his car, opens up the door, sits down in the booth across from me. He looks at me. He says, tell me what's the problem, son. And I just start breaking down, weeping. And look at this dichotomy of a picture. Here I am, dressed, looking really nice. And here's a man who's walking the streets cold, sitting across from me, saying, tell me what's going on, son. And I just spill everything to my dad. My dad and I aren't getting along. There's stuff going down in my family. And he looks at me and he says these words, son, you are a good son. You are a good man. Don't give up on doing what's right. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Son, you're doing the right thing. Everything how I felt belittled, every area that I felt hopeless, in one moment this homeless man began to speak hope 
into me began to speak life into me. And as I dismissed myself to take a phone call from my buddy who was a minute away, when I hung up the phone call, I went to go back to the homeless man to see if I could buy him something or give him something. When I went back to him, he had disappeared, like not there. And I thought he took off and took his car and went down the street. I went outside Burger King, searched the streets, couldn't find him anywhere. And to this day, I am convinced, some of y'all are going to think I'm crazy. I'm convinced it was an angel sitting across the booth from me speaking biblical truth. Son, don't grow weary in doing what's right. You're a good son, edifying me, building me up. Life is messy, but where do you turn to when the mess hits? And where is the hope in the middle of the mess? So many of us in the room may have walked in a mess, been in a current mess, not knowing how you're going to pay the next bill. Maybe you're concerned about work or where a job's going to come. Maybe someone in your family, a son, is walking away from Christ. Maybe a daughter is choosing something else. Maybe you're stuck trying to figure out how you're going to make life work as a single mom. Maybe you're trying to figure out where your next step is. I just want to say this. There is hope in the mess. And I came to tell somebody today that there is hope in the mess. And when I look at the Bible, I don't see perfection. I see a whole lot of messy. And when I look at the family line of Jesus, I don't see a whole lot of perfection. I see a whole lot of messy. God loves to move in the messy. God loves to use the messy as a recipe to make royalty. God loves to take things that are hopeless, put his hope in it, and turn it into something beautiful. He loves to do that. And before Matthew chapter 1, the passage I just read you, you'll miss it if you don't catch it. Isn't it interesting that in Matthew 1, they start with the genealogy of the family line of Jesus. And know what I find really interesting is the Holy Spirit purposefully does not leave out the mess in the family line. But he highlights it. What do you mean? Listen to the family line of Jesus. Judah, he plans to kill his brother Joseph, sells his brother to slavery. Rahab, Rahab's a prostitute. You're telling me that's the family line of Jesus, the birth of the Messiah? Yeah, a prostitute and someone who wants to sell his brother into slavery. King David. A man after God's own heart gets caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time, ends up cheating on his wife, and ends up killing the wife's husband that he cheated on with. Not only is David a murderer, but he's an adulterer. He's a slanderer. And this right here is the family of Jesus. Y'all, it is messy. Solomon, King David's son, ends up having all these foreign wives, ends up worshiping all these foreign gods. Y'all, it's messy. He's choosing wrong. Rehoboam is an angered, hot temper. He has a lust for power. Ahaz, this is crazy. Ahaz buried his own son alive as a sacrifice. And he basically did everything that God said not to do. When you read the genealogy list in Matthew chapter 1, before it says Mary got pregnant, it's trying to set something up. God works through the messy. And he's not afraid to talk about the mess because he's a real God who deals with real messy people. 
And out of this horrible, messy family line, you think your family's crazy? You got some murderers in your family? You got some adulterers in your family? You got some people that like to steal? You like some people who are angry? You fit right into the family line of Jesus. You think your family line is crazy? Oh, man, you better read about Jesus' family line. He works in the mess. And then we get to Joseph. Can you imagine, by the way, how marriage worked back then was two fathers would get together and they would agree. It was an arranged marriage. Two fathers, a father has a daughter named Mary and a father has a boy named Joseph. They agree together, an arranged marriage. And marriage had three components to it. It had a component where it was legally binded upon the dads to give away a daughter and a son to become one. Now you'd think, okay, cool, the marriage is over, it's done, they get to celebrate. No. After the first step of coming together, they would share their vows, they'd be legally binded, but they technically weren't married as now the son would go prepare a place for his wife at his father's house typically to go and get his bride when the father said it was time to be married. Where we are right now when Mary gets pregnant is the fathers have agreed they are legally binded as married, but they ain't living together and they're not sleeping together yet. And this is when it gets really messy. The Bible is full of messy scenarios. Why? Because it's real life. Mary gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It's a virgin birth. She's never had sex before. She's been pure. She's been kept blameless. And then Joseph finds out his wife is pregnant. And can you imagine the internal dialogue going on with your wife, who you know you didn't sleep with her, you didn't do anything to her, and then she comes to you and says, I'm pregnant, and I know you're not going to believe me, but the Holy Spirit showed up to me in a vision and said, I'm going to be carrying the Messiah. And Joseph immediately is thinking, I know I didn't get her pregnant. So much so that it bothers Joseph that he knows in order to be faithful to the law of God's word, it means he needs to divorce his wife. And it says Joseph was a righteous man. And sometimes when we hear the word divorce, we're like, oh, dang, shoot, you know, he's an unfaithful husband. No, Joseph is trying to do what's right here. So much so that here are the emotions Joseph is feeling. Fear, anxiety, worry. He loves this woman. He loves this lady so much so that he says when he divorces her, he's going to do it quietly. Which there was a public way of doing it, and then there was a quiet way of doing it. A public way of doing it was being brought before the leaders and to potentially even have Mary killed and executed for being impure during a marriage process. That's a public way. A quiet way that Joseph was going to do is I'm not going to shame her publicly, but just two to three witnesses are going to know about this, and I'm going to be done with it. And he's trying to do what's right. And in the middle of Joseph's mess... In the middle of his turmoil, in the middle of his chaos, wondering what in the world is going on. I know this isn't Mary. I know she's not like this. What is happening? Hope shows up in the middle of the mess. Hope decides to meet a messy situation. It says an angel of the Lord shows up to Joseph. And Joseph says after he considered this, meaning he'd been pondering this for a while, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. In other words, the angel's saying this. I know you've had sleepless nights. 
I know you've been fearful of your image, of your reputation, and the honor and shame culture. I know you've been wrestling over what to do, and I'm here to tell you, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Well, why? You tell me why. Well, here's why. This is crazy. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Immediately, Joseph, knowing the law, knowing the prophecies that a Savior was going to come from the line of David, immediately the lights go on in Joseph and says this, oh, my word. That encounter I just had with God, I get to be the person that helps steward this young boy that's going to be the Savior of the world. Hope showed up in a hopeless situation. God encountered Joseph in a time of fear, in a time of panic. God does his best work in the mess. He does his best work in the mess. And Joseph, when he hears this, it skips forward quite fast. And I love the name that it gives. The name that's given, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Your big so what, I just have one main point today. Your big so what is this, is God chooses to step into our mess to be God with us. He chooses to step into the messy situations, into the mess of our life to be God with us. This is powerful because what's more scarier than a messy situation is knowing you're in a messy situation, but you have no hope. And I know for a fact there are people today where you've encountered mess in your past or you are encountering mess today. You might have a large bank account, but on the inside, you actually don't really know where your hope is. You might have a great job. You might be respected among employees, but it's possible that you may never know what it means to have God with you. Know what I love about the gospel? The good news? The whole reason why we celebrate Christmas? Is it paints a picture of ugly situations, things going on in our life, knowing full well we would never be able to save ourselves. And you want to know what's crazy? From the beginning of time, when God created man and he created woman, he never had to create man and woman, but he desired to create man and woman to be God with them, to be in relationship, to be intimate, to have a personal relationship. And know what's crazy? There came a moment in time in the history of Israel that they looked at everybody else who had a king and they said, God, we don't want you to be God with us anymore. We want a king just like everybody else. And know what's crazy? In Matthew chapter 1, when I read about the kings, the things that the people wanted most, I see affair, adulterer, murderer, sinful, liar, cheater, stealer, killer. 
When I read the genealogy, the people got what they wanted. They didn't get God with them, but they got people to lead them who are just as broken as them. And this is what's so beautiful about the birth of the Messiah named Jesus Christ, is even though the people didn't want God to lead them, God showed up through the mess of lineage. God showed up through the mess of sin to become a pure, perfect, spotless, sinless child. End up being a man, fully God and fully man. To take on the wrath that every king deserved, that every mistake deserved, that every sin deserved. Took it upon himself. God chose to step into the mess of really poor lineage and decided to be God with us. That right there tells me that there is hope in the mess. I wonder what mess you find yourself in. I wonder who's contemplating like Joseph to throw in the towel and divorce a spouse. I wonder who's staying up late hiding things from your wife, addicted to pornography. Maybe who can't find a way to break out of the mess the booze or the alcohol trying to cover things up because things are too hard and you need something temporarily. I wonder the mess, the financial mess you find yourself in today. I wonder the son or the daughter who's come out and said, hey, this is who I am and it's eating you up on the inside. I wonder the child that doesn't give a rip about church who's getting high on the weekend with his friends and doesn't give a rip about what God really is or who he wants. In the middle of your mess, no matter what you find yourself in, you better know this. God chooses to be God with you in the mess. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. You are not just a single mom. You are not just a single dad. You have the creator of the world who chose you in the middle of your mess, who didn't wait for you to get things together and in order to come to him. God came to you when things were out of order. God came to you where you were in your mess. And he is the hope of the world. And his name is Jesus. I want to end my message today focusing and honing in to a spark part that was sped up and not found in Matthew but demonstrated in Luke. You know what's funny? If you're like me and you load your kids up in the car and you drive around the neighborhood and you look at Christmas lights or you take a stroll and in department stores you see a nativity scene set up, oftentimes when we take our kids to see nativity scenes, if you're like Having one of my kids like Everly, she goes, oh, cute. Oh, look at the baby. And it's this cute scene. It looks pretty. It looks nice. Even when churches decide to do a live nativity scene, it gives this feel of warmth. It gives this feel of something nice. I just need to be really historically accurate for you on how not nice it was, but on how messy it really was. You see, there was no room at the inn anymore. They couldn't deliver Jesus, the Messiah, at a nice place. The only thing that was left over was a cave in Bethlehem. And by the way, if you've ever been to Israel, you can walk some of the caves in Bethlehem. For anybody who's given birth in here, or you've had child, or you know what it's like to give birth, you know, one, naturally, just how messy birth really is. 
But in the middle of the mess, in the pain of delivery, isn't it amazing the joy and the hope you receive when you hold the baby for the first time? Jesus was born in a cave. Not only was he born in a cave, it says he was wrapped with strips of linen and cloth. The same, don't miss this, the same cloth that Jesus was wrapped in is the same exact cloth that they used for burial to bury someone. Don't miss this. This is a crazy tie-in. Do you realize Passover lambs that were used to be slaughtered to cover over the sins? You want to know where they were raised? They were raised in Bethlehem. And when a Passover lamb was born, you want to know what they were wrapped in? Linen, cloth to protect the sheep of the baby. Y'all, this is crazy. Jesus was born, his very birth in a cave was lowly. And he was born wrapped in linen as a signifier to say this. This Messiah who came into the world didn't have the red carpet laid out. The princes and kings of the world were not invited to his birth. Television, radio, news stations didn't show up for his birth. But the people who showed up in a cave, the first people there were shepherds. And shepherds, when we hear that, we're like, oh, that's nice. No, shepherds were one of the worst figures in all society. They were like robbers and thieves. Next to a leper, they were the second-ranked lowest people in society. Who was invited to a royal birth? People who were messy. Jesus wrapped in linen. Mary giving birth. Shepherds show up. Lowly people, a lowly place. Don't you see what God's trying to say? He's trying to say this from the beginning. He's trying to say, I came for messy people. I came for lowly people. I came for people that don't see themselves as good enough. I came for people that are broken. I came to be a friend of sinners. I came to go and get lost people and bring them back into relationship with my Father. I came to go and get those who are messy and make them like royalty. A royal birth looked nothing like a royal birth. He looked everything like that of a lowly, messy birth. Born to die so that he might take the mess of you so that you might live in the hope of him. Born to die so that he might take on the mess of you so that you might live in the hope of him. It's possible to be in a mess but to be beautiful and pure and righteous, not because of you, but because of Jesus, the Messiah, in you. He gives you his righteousness, not of your own. He takes the mess and turns it into a message. I come from a line of mess, but it's not the final story of my life. The mess has been turned into a beautiful masterpiece, not because of me, but because of Jesus inside of me who came to take dead things and see him come to life. My sister was healed of cancer miraculously after two years. My dad passed away in a motorcycle accident, but before he passed away, my dad, who said he'd never step foot inside a church again a couple months before he passed, stepped foot inside a church for the first time. And 
all he could do was weep the whole time. The presence of God is so good. It doesn't push you away. It draws the messy near. It doesn't rebuke you and say, get out of church. It says, come near to me. Come draw near to me. Experience my rest. Experience my dwelling. Experience my peace. I now get to live on the other side of the mess and watch as my two kids are raised in a home, the same home that I grew up in where my dad was arrested and brought to jail. The same house that I was born and raised in is the very house that my wife and I bought back. And every day it's a reminder of God taking the mess of the past and giving it something beautiful that only he can do. God loves to take your mess and give you the hope to get through it because he's God with you but to give you the strength to get through with a story that matters. You know what's really cool? Is this word, God with us, there were two symbols used to describe God being with people in the Old Testament. It was tabernacle and temple. They were two images to be seen where God's presence would be for people to be God with them. Mishkan is the Hebrew word for temple or tabernacle. Out of that word, you get Shekan, which out of Shekan comes a word called Shekinah, which means full of God's glory. For God to be with us, it actually means these three words. Rest, rest. When was the last time you ever felt real rest? Rest. Abide, dwelling. And that word Shekinah was actually more intimate than a temple or tabernacle ever could be. In other words, when it says God with us, it meant God in you. His rest in you. His abiding in you. You abiding in him. Another word for that, remain in him. Dwelling among you. Being with you. You are not alone. And know what's amazing? Is in Matthew chapter 1, Emmanuel is the name, God with us. You want to know what the very last statement is of Matthew chapter 28? Jesus says, and surely I will be with you always and to the end of the age. Born as a baby, a Messiah, a little born baby saying God is now here with us and ends his ministry by saying, surely I will be with you all the days to come. That, that, that's what Christmas is all about. God with us, choosing to step in your mess to be God with you. Here's how I want to end today. My wife's going to lead a song here, and I purposely asked her to play a song that is more chill for a place for you to sit right where you are to close your eyes. You might not ever get this moment in your week, but to close your eyes. And if you've never invited Jesus into your mess, I have a simple challenge with you. Number one is this. I want you to invite Jesus into your life into your mess so in the next five minutes I just want you to say Jesus would you come 
or if you've never received Jesus before as Messiah, you've never believed, you've never followed today in these next five moments, you can just say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. 